You know, mourning and sorrow are a part of every human's experience. My great aunt Esther, she tells me every single time we talk on the phone, you know, if you live very long at all, Tracy, you're going to have troubles. I really wish that I could imitate her rich Southern coastal accent because it doesn't sound that bad when she says it. Of course, maybe that has less to do with her accent and more to do with the fact that she is a deeply faithful person who, though she has certainly suffered her fair share, mourned many losses, she remains one of the most hopeful, compassionate, and joyful people I know. She would say that it's because of her faith in God and her connection with a community of faithful people. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. This is the second of what we refer to as the Beatitudes, with which Jesus introduces his Sermon on the Mount that we read about in Matthew's Gospel. In our current worship series, we are digging into the Beatitudes in an effort to uncover and fully receive the blessing available to each and every one of us as we grow in the characteristics that Jesus embodies as one who belongs to and lives faithfully for God. It's tempting to imagine that the Beatitudes are simply a laundry list of entrance requirements for the kingdom of heaven. But as we learned last week, the Beatitudes are not commands. They are statements of fact. Jesus is stating the reality that those characterized in these ways, as counterintuitive as it may seem, are blessed. Those who mourn are blessed, Jesus says. Blessed because they receive God's comfort. When we think of those who mourn, most of us, our first thought is going to be of losing someone that we love. We're going to think first of death. Most of us have experienced this kind of grief. We've lost grandparents. We've lost parents, aunts, uncles, siblings, friends. Some, tragically, have lost children. Some of our youngest members, our children, they've li likely lost at least a beloved pet. We know what it's like to be heartbroken when someone we love is no longer present with us. And yet, as common as this experience is, many of us struggle with grief. We haven't learned or been taught how to mourn. We resist it, we, we push it down or we run from it. We also have a tendency, I think, to avoid those around us who are mourning. We don't make time or allow space for proper grief, to fully mourn. Our culture doesn't like to talk about death. And too often, we put pressure on people to get over it already or to move on. Some of us avoid mourning at all costs. Maybe we're afraid of it. Afraid that if we surrender to the depths of sorrow, we may never surface again. And while death may be the first thing that we think of when we think of sorrow and grief and mourning, 
We experience all of these in response to all sorts of loss. It could be the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job. It could be the loss of things we never had nor ever will have. Grief over the past, sorrow over the loss of our identity maybe. Maybe it's an experience of brokenness or emptiness because we know that something needs to die in us. We can mourn the loss of a dream that we had for our future. Even as we blessed earlier in today's worship, all of those who are going back to learning right now, students and teachers, faculty, parents, there is mourning. Mourning the loss of a whole array of hopes. High school and college freshmen are entering first years that look nothing like what they might have imagined. Whether it's because they've remained at home and are learning remotely or because they're living on campus and attending some in-person classes, but with masks and plexiglass and little or no social gatherings. Parents faced with the challenge of helping their children learn even as they try to work from home or who are terrified of the risk to their children of becoming infected with COVID-19 because it was necessary for any number of reasons that their child returned to in-person learning. Teachers who want nothing more than to be back in the classroom with their children at home struggling to make learning as engaging and effective as in person. Many of those teachers with their own kids at home simultaneously trying to learn in another room on a different screen. There are those who have lost jobs or whose businesses are struggling. And there are those working harder right now than ever before to serve in essential roles, some of those roles literally life-saving. Our current circumstances are overwhelming. They include a pandemic, political divisiveness, social crises, natural disasters. All of these have heightened all sorts of loss for each of us. We all have sorrow. We can experience sorrow over the loss of our health. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer in January, I was deeply shaken and I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to feel it. I didn't want to tell people. I didn't want to tell y'all. Most especially, I didn't want to tell my children because I didn't want to see the fear and grief I knew it would cause, the fear and grief that would reflect my own. Stu G., a man who helped develop the Beatitudes Project, wonders, when everything is changing, seemingly falling apart around us, when things just are not working out the way that we'd hoped, we want certainty. We want answers. But what if what's offered instead is the abiding presence of God? What if when everything's falling apart and what we want is certainty and answers, what we receive is presence?
the presence of a God who loves us and who offers comfort, wisdom, and peace in our times of trouble. Presence that we experience through a more profound sense of the holy or presence experienced through the kindness of one another. Might this presence transform our sorrows into joy? Like the psalmist proclaims, what if when we let ourselves mourn, when we let down our defenses, when we become vulnerable to God and to one another, when we acknowledge our sorrow, give ourselves permission to grieve and entrust ourselves to its depths, comfort comes. What if a comfort that we cannot fathom, God's comfort, surprises us and lifts us out of the very depths we so fear. My favorite psalm, Psalm 139 says, we cannot escape God. I love it. Hear these words. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. Wherever we go, even if we make our bed in Sheol, God is there. Sheol is the Hebrew word for a place of deep darkness, where the dead go. Even if we descend to Sheol, God is there waiting to embrace us and transform our sorrow into joy. Throughout the scriptures, we find that grief and joy are commingled. Could it be that you cannot fully experience joy without embracing sorrow? The day I had surgery, I was stunned by God's presence because I did share with you and others what I was going through. So many people showed up at the hospital to see me that the nurses got ruffled and started to chase people off. That was before the current virus-related restrictions that so limit visitors. Among those visitors was a group of women, all of them, breast cancer survivors from this church who showed up and prayed over me, prayed with me and my daughters. Their presence was a witness to me and to my husband and girls that there is joy after sorrow. And a lot of it, at least two of the women who were there, have survived breast cancer for more than 20 years. Their presence, along with the presence of all the other church members and friends and family, was a deep comfort, not only to me, but to my husband James, to Michaela and Zay, as we all waded into what felt like a deep pool of grief. 
And in those depths, on the day of surgery, and through radiation, and in all the months since, through the presence of this community of faith and faithful family and friends, all of us have been comforted deeply and extremely well fed <laughs> through your presence i have known god all of us in my family have known god because you showed up and continue to show up in our lives and i've had the experience also you know that experience that seems supernatural when you're physically alone, but you let go, you surrender to sorrow, a sorrow that seems too dark to navigate, and you encounter there a stunning, holy presence. I bet you know what I'm talking about. The song that you're about to hear, our offertory, it makes this claim about who God is. You will make a way for us. You're the spring that wells within us. You're the breath that will renew. You're the eyes that see past shadows. You're the tears that make us new. In the darkness, in the longing, you are there. In the suffering, in the crying. You are there. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus insists. It's counterintuitive. But in order to receive comfort, in order to experience joy, we must mourn. And we must be present with others who mourn. Because scripture assures us, even in our darkest valleys, God is with us. We are promised that God is near to the brokenhearted. And though we may linger in grief for what seems like a very long, dark night, joy does come in the morning. Blessed. We are blessed when we mourn, and we are blessed when we are present with and for those who mourn, because God joins in our suffering and grief, and we are all comforted. Let us pray this prayer from the Beatitudes Project. Loving God, you are near to the brokenhearted. When we are crushed in spirit, you are with us. Give us all the gift of knowing your nearness in the midst of our sorrow, the awareness of your presence in our pain. When our heart is broken and we feel kicked in the gut, you will help us catch our breath. Give us the courage to not hide from our pain, but to allow ourselves to experience sorrow, grief, and loss when appropriate, for we know that we are not walking alone. While we may not see the way out, we know that you are present and you are the way.
Help us to walk in you. You are not a God who stands far off, but you are a God who crawls into our experience and pain and joins us in the process. Help us to see others in their pain and to be present to them in their suffering. We all live with joy and sorrow co-mingling in this life, but thank you, God, that we are not alone on this journey and we do not have to walk in our own strength. For when we are weak, then we are strong. Thanks be to God. Amen.